podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast for 2024. My name's Dan Huff from Twickenham. The nights are still far too long. It's still chilly outside, but there's plenty of cricket on and there's plenty of cricket to be talked about. So that's what I intend to do with Sal Ali from North London. How are you, Sal? Dan's getting brighter. Come and cheer up. Uh, the mornings are getting a bit lighter. Evening's getting lighter as well now. So we're on that sort of home stretch now, I think. Where I always think when the Carabao Cup's over, which is obviously next week, then sort of spring is really here. So I think another week. Yeah, you're right. At Twickenham, the juniors have started indoor nets and they're five o'clock on Saturdays. And yeah, we, we left home and it was definitely light to, to go to the nets. And that's progress, isn't it? Right, you know? 100%. It, it, not sure yeah, it's coming. Quick question, Sal. Arsenal have won a couple of games. In fact, they've won a lot of games since we last spoken. You're going to win the league? <laughs> yeah, when we last spoke, I, my concerns were we couldn't score any goals and who's going to come and do that job for us. So yeah. Like, in the last three or four weeks, I'm going to score 21 in five. I think it might be before. It looks very good at the minute. Squad's getting back to the full strength as well. Um, again, it's, it's so close, right? It just showed yesterday, Chelsea, who had a Brussels season so far, went and played so well at Etihad. So not every week is going to be a tough game. I think March the 31st is when we go to Etihad. If we do a podcast the day after that, maybe, I can probably give more insight on where I think we're going to finish. But yeah, it's good. Champions League on Wednesday. So everything's rosy at the minute. So... Looking forward to next. You should be a manager, Sal. I was, I was wanting just yes or no, really, but you, you gave me a proper. You can't say yes or no, Dan. Oh, listen, we can talk about your team, really. You can't say yes or no to that question you can ask me about that. Well, you can you? So I've always been. Well, yeah, my, my footballing interests are, are, have been painful of late. Shrewsbury Town have rocketed down the league and we've got a big six. Do you have six pointers in February? I think you probably do, don't you? Is that, is that a fair call? Or am I being a bit shooting the gun a bit? We've got Reading anyway on Saturday who are. In the relegation mire, just as we are. So, so yeah. Right. I mean, 3K1 actually just gives an insight because I want to have a quick chat about it. Obviously, you don't lose many games by more than one goal. I've spotted, and you don't obviously score many, which is obviously a bit of a problem. But however, the fact you're not getting beaten heavily, you're in you're staying in games, you make it go to the sort of final few minutes of the of the whole game itself. I think you've got something about you to to make sure there's enough to, in the tank set. So I'm, I'm confident, you, Dan. I'm going to say confidently right now. I can't ask about Arsenal, but I can ask about Shrewsbury. I'll say, you're not going to go down. You're coming to Reading on Saturday, and I'm depositing you, you in the change. Yeah, it's not a bad Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, well, we will see. We'll see. Enough of such things. We, we also have a guest on, and really pleased to be able to introduce someone who many of our listeners will know, James Fleming, Fleming from, well, I would say from Hornsey Cricket Club, but also, if I've got this right, James, Head of Athletic Performance now at Middlesex County Cricket Club. Is that right? Yep, that is correct. Good, good. Well, great that you could you could join us. Start off at 10. How long have you been Head of Athletic Performance? And c- can you help us out a bit? What does it mean? So I've been Head of Athletic Performance for probably five or six months now, probably just at the back end of the summer. But my journey with Middlesex probably started just over 10 years ago, just looking after the pathway and strength and conditioning for the boys and the academy and the second team, and then kind of just work my way up through the system at Middlesex. And this role is also a dual role, so it looks after the Sunrisers, which is our female cricket side as well. So day-to-day stuff is predominantly with Middlesex first team and looking after that pathway, but also with the Sunrisers as well, which is quite exciting. And just to follow up on that, so is, is that, I mean, again, I, I, I'm fascinated by this, to be honest, but is that sort of data-driven stuff? 
are you looking at, at, at that sort of performance or, or is it is it more conditioning and and, uh, and working out sort of training strategies for folks or both? It's a bit of both. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, day-to-day is probably more the conditioning side, making sure the lads are physically ready through the winter and then trying to top them up during summer in and around match demands, like depending on what they do on a week-to-week basis and whatever the schedule looks like, how can we try to make as many players available as possible for the coaches on a week-to-week basis? And over the last couple of years, it's a a lot more data-driven and that's probably the bit that I enjoy a lot as someone that had part of a maths degree growing up, split, did a joint honours degree in sports science and maths because I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do after university. So anything that's numbers driven is more my wheelhouse when it comes to, to words and things like this. It's not as not as much of a strong point. Yeah, so how, I mean, over the years, you've been obviously five years later at the club. How, how, how was the role changed from when you first started off? Is it more obviously linked to stats and data or... or- does that physical element still play a major part in what you do? Yeah, so it's all, we're using those numbers as kind of to as an extra tool. There's still that feel and the soft skills and working with the cricket coaches who it's kind of they're the ones that pick the team and we try to give them as much information as possible to try to pick us pick the team that's going to be successful on a week to week basis and trying to preempt when people might be more at risk of injury and just giving them that information. But obviously if a lad gets five for the week before, we're not going to turn around and go, he's in the red zone. We need to rest him the next week because I think I'll be getting a sit down from the head coach <laughs> t- telling me where to 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 go to, to a degree. But yeah, like it's just using that information as best as possible to make informed decisions. And it's evolved quite a lot as this data has come in and information's come down from international teams. ECB have used GPS and information like that for a number of years and it's becoming more widespread, more available in county cricket. And we're very lucky that counties, we share a lot of information. So we present at the end of the year about different things and different trends that we've seen within our own environments and we share that amongst other counties in, in the strength and conditioning community. That's quite interesting. I didn't think there'd be such a communal space. I, I thought you'd be protecting these this data just in case you've got a nugget or, nugget or two that gives you an advantage. No, no, no. We're actually really lucky in that sort of respect. And like when we get audited through the ECB, the science and medicine department, they kind of combine all of the county's information to give an overall injury report at the end of the year, which is quite interesting just to see what trends are going on within the game, what's changed over a number of years and yeah, all that sort of information. I might regret this question, given that you've just said you've got a maths degree, right? And I don't think we need to go down the route of multivariate regression analysis or anything like that. But what sort of data are you talking about? I mean, in football, I sort of get it in a way. You're looking at, you know, you might be looking at kilometres run, and I'm sure you're looking at lots of more detailed stuff around that. But what in cricket, what, what are some of the key indicators you'll be interested in? So we do look at total distance, and then we sort of break it down into how intense those those efforts are. So if we're covering 15 kilometres in the field and 14 and a half of those kilometers are walking or light jogging. We're not too worried about that. We're kind of like, right, we should be fit enough and strong enough to tolerate those demands. It's when the intensity does increase and trying to preempt as we move between formats. So I think this year we go five or six championship games on the bounce, and then we've got a 72-hour window, and then we've got our first T20. So it's it's a really quick turnaround between formats, 
and the intensity changes quite quickly. And it's also trying to preempt that and be ahead of the game. So maybe a couple of weeks out, we understand what the lads did last summer during the T20s. What can we drip feed into training to make sure that they're prepared for that change of format? And what are the sort of indicators that would make you think, hello, someone's doing too much here. Is, is, are there any sort of key obvious things that, that we might not expect as laymen watching? <clears throat> like it's we're in that really weird sport, especially batters is that when their workloads are high is when they score runs. So it's like, it's that sort of double-edged sword. It's like we need to keep them at a certain level so that when they do score a hundred, it's not a shock to the system and puts them at risk of injury to them being out for another couple of weeks after that because they're in form. We need to keep them in the team and we don't want those sort of time loss injuries, which then going to have a knock-on effect to to the team. So there would be the one, like that's quite a, an obviously, like it's different to say rugby or football where, you know, it's a 90 minute or 80 minute game. You probably have an idea of what they're going to do. And then at the end of the game, you can top up lads that may have only played 15 or 20 minutes. It's also very hard to top up within cricket because You've obviously got the second innings, so you're not too sure what they're going to do in the second innings of a championship game. And our T20 schedule goes usually Thursday night, Friday night, Sunday. So they might not do anything on a Thursday, but they then might do it on a, on a Friday or a Sunday. So it's finding those opportunities as well, which is sort of the challenge of the schedule. But it's all fun and games. That, that, that actually sounds... It resonates a lot because obviously club cricket is very different, but I do remember one game, I'm not going to embarrass the person involved in it, where the, the guys got 120 for the team I was playing for. Couldn't field. It's too knackered. <laughs> and, it's like, and it's right. You know, you've got to be performing at a level where you can actually keep going at that level, haven't you? And, um, and it's like, that was only second level cricket, but nonetheless, it did, it did make me chuckle because he was an absolute wreck. You know, couldn't get up after tea. It's like, Jesus. You know, this yeah, is the same like, way nice to man the piece, really. Speaking to some of our lads and you just... Like I'm watching them go through nets and then they go outside and I'm like, there's a hamstring waiting to happen here. And we've all seen it that early first three or four weeks of the season, someone charging it after one out to the boundary and the hamstring goes. You should try vets cricket or vets football. Just blink your neck. The hamstring's pinging everywhere there and then got on the pitch yet. Anyway, Sal, sorry. Now we were talking about Zamanwell Hotley in that game. Uh, he was always having a little sicky when he after he batted. Um, I wasn't, but I could have been, couldn't I? Yeah. Anyway, so, James, you mentioned you've got two sort of separate degrees or two different subject degrees. Was it, I know you, you played cricket, or recreation, you played club and performance. Was it something you always wanted to do in terms of working in cricket and that physical side of things? Or did you more, you know, go towards the math side and this type, kind of opportunity came and you thought, let's go for it and see what happens? So when, when I was applying for degrees and things like that, like I said, I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do, but kind of over the two or three years that I was at university, it kind of, I knew I wanted to go down that physical preparation route. And then I was just lucky that as I moved back to London, Middlesex were offering an internship within strength and conditioning. Logistically, it worked very well where I grew up in sort of in and around Hornsey and the indoor schools in Finchley. The timing just worked really nicely. So yeah, cricket was always going to be the sport that I would love to have come to, even if it wasn't the first one. But yeah, I have an interest in watching almost any sport if it's live. So I think I'd have found if I had to go via a couple of other sports, I would have found my way back to cricket somehow. It's almost like a dream job, really. Yeah, definitely. Like it's, I'm also very lucky that it's the county I grew up in. I played like recreational cricket within the county. I suppose it's probably the county I followed growing up. 
and you was whenever you went on to teletext or trying to find results, it was like, right, well, how have Middlesex done? Where are they playing? Actually, can I get up to Southgate and watch them when they're at the outgrounds and things like that? So, yeah, I was I was really lucky to end up in this role. Teletext, eh? You're older than we thought. <laughs> teletext, I, I like that. I was going to ask you about where it all began then, James. When, when did you first start playing? Now, Hornsey's always been your club, right? But did, did you, or, or did you start somewhere else and move to Hornsey? So Hornsey has pretty much always been my club. And so as playing cricket, I just think in the garden and at school, I think I, I just peppered my mum and I was like, I want to go and play somewhere. And she was like, oh my God, I've got no idea what to do here. I think she called around the teams, called around the clubs in the cot and... I think Jim Chapman picked up from Hornsey and it's I've been there pretty much ever since. I did do one season at Barnet when I was about 12 or 13. I played a season in their third team as my school teacher was Liam Roberts, who was the first team captain there at the time. And then, yeah, ever since then, apart from maybe the odd game when I was at university up in Nottingham, yeah, I've always been at Hornsey since I was about nine or 10, I reckon. And in terms of senior cricket, can you remember the, the, the first time you played in the county league? Is, is, was that digging a bit too deep? Or can, I remember my first adult game for Hornsey was on an Easter Saturday at Wilfslack. They had a dropout on the Saturday morning. I was training at the ground and Sanjay Patel, it must have been Jim as well, who was organising the team, asked me if I was available. I said, yeah, not a problem. I just need to go home, get my whites. We went up to Wilfslack. But I remember before I left, Hornsey's Sanj said to me if someone hits one at you just leave it it's absolutely freezing today don't break a finger <laughs> when I was about 11 or 12 and yeah I think Jim batted me three didn't get many runs and then as about an 11 or 12 year old I got sent out to umpire which was a was a new experience <laughs> so I think, I think it, just it was definitely a pre-season friendly I, like, I can think of many a captain who may have you know hung you out to drive if you'd, if you'd stepped out of the way of a ball had they been bowling, no matter how old or young you were, but it sounds like you had a captain with a bit of foresight. Yes. <laughs> cool. And for those who don't know, I mean, I had a quick look at your, your play cricket stats, James, and, you, and you, you clearly, you know, you do play cricket in Middlesex even now when you can, right? And I mean, I thought it was 100 in 2020. Did I notice that for the two? It was 105 maybe? Yes, that would have been at Harrowtown, I think. Um, Correct. So, yeah, like... When the schedule does allow, um, I do try to play as often as possible. I think that might be a bit trickier this year with the way that the county schedule has worked and with a young family. But I'll definitely be trying my best to get out there when I can. Sounds good to me. I mean, I, I was also looking right deep down into the stats. I don't know if you, you scored 75 now against Twickenham Twos about 13 years ago, 2011. I remember it. You came in in the middle order and I think you were struggling a bit and you... you, you sort of you know, chipped in with a pretty rapid 75 does this ring any bells or is it just all far too far in, in the ancient no 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 I do I think I think we might have had Phil Holbrook as captain then yeah and I think yeah we, he we had to kind of settle it a little bit and then I think we probably batted on a couple of extra overs but it wasn't enough I think we probably should have batted the 55 which we might even have been allowed to bat 60 then I think it was just down to the 55 yeah one of those games where going to 55 would have been the attacking move because the, the Twickenham side I was captain in had a load of, and you know, I say this deliberately, a load of mad South Africans, right, who would have gone for it if you'd given us 10 overs. So, so yeah, it might have been one of the, but I mean, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, is it not? Sal, save us. I, I no, can reminisce about such things forever. 
Dan, will he use for that? Will he use for that? I didn't get 75. No, okay. I got 74 fewer than that, from what I remember. But there okay. we go. Should we move on? We can move on. Yes, we can. <laughs> I mean, James, I want to come to, so in terms of your role, because obviously not played during the winter in this country. So how does it, how does it differ from, say, the months of, I don't know, October to sort of February time and from March till when season starts? And what's the, what's the difference in what you have to do? Yeah, so the the winter time's quite an exciting time for me and for what we do because we have a lot of structure and it's like this is our time to physically prepare the players for what they have coming up across during the season. And over the last couple of years, that's obviously uh, changed a little bit because we're starting to prepare lads to go off to franchise tournaments at almost the drop of the hat. So sort of like Steve Eskenazi, Max Holden, they've been away this winter. So we're trying to have that long-term view of how can we get them ready for the 1st of April when the county championship starts. But also if an opportunity does come up at Perth Scorchers or in the IL20 league, how can we make sure that they're ready to go? If their agent picks up the phone and says, you're getting on the plane in 48 hours to go and play in a competition. So almost pre-Christmas, October is a very quiet month for the lads. That's usually holidays, weddings and stag do's. And then early November, they get the dreaded fitness testing day with myself and the, the rest of the team. And then we put a plan in place through till Christmas. Post-Christmas, usually a bit some of the cricket starts up again. We start to get the lads bowling and building up their workload alongside the physical stuff. And we just gradually increase it. We've had a, a week off just gone and we're back in tomorrow. And then from the first Monday in March, we're, we put a marquee up at Merchant Taylor's School. So we put, we're sort of on grass nets for the whole of March, which is a really good way for the lads to prepare, especially for the bowlers. The ground's still quite heavy, but that, we get that sort of time on their feet from bowling two or three spells in the day. And we can top up their physical work either in the gym or conditioning wise to kind of get them closer to what we think the first game is going to look like. And then we probably give them uh, a couple of days off or a week off before we go into the championship, just so we're not carrying too much fatigue into the season because I think we've got four games on the bounce, maybe five before our bye week. So we'll play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then we've got, two or three days off before we go again. And one of those could be a travel day up to Northampton or Cardiff or things like that. So once we're into the summer, it's kind of picking windows and opportunities as best we can. But the winter is quite a good time for us because it's very structured and there's a lot of focus on the physical stuff. James, Dan, before you jump in, really. So I know you said, speak about your guys playing professionally abroad, like Eskenazi and Holden. I know there's a group away in Australia. I mean, I think I've seen Robbie White, Crack Knorr. Ethan and Luke, I think, will play in the South Australia at the moment, aren't they? In the grade comp there. So they're not playing pro, they're playing grade cricket. How do you keep an eye on those guys? I mean, you check in Instagram feeds every day, see what they're up to, or is it, do they check in with you weekly to let you know what they've been doing, et cetera, et cetera, in terms of getting ready for the season? Yeah, so we'll send something out on a, on a weekly basis that we would like them to do. However, we understand that that's going to change. Like they might have a midweek T20 or it might be back-to-back -back bowling weeks because the way the two day is full. So yeah, we'll just check in with the, the we've got five lads in Adelaide currently. And so Sam Robson's in Sydney. So it's just a weekly check-in with them. And it's almost when they're here, we're trying to educate them as best as possible so that when they do go away, they can make good decisions away from us, but we're still there if they need us. Okay, great. Isn't there a tension there somewhere, though, James? Because like you, you want these players to be 
when push comes to shove, performing at the very best for Middlesex, right? And there is a, a you know, that they are sort of free agents, I guess, to a, to a degree in the winter, and they can they can jet off to to any part of the world quite quickly. So, you know, you, I guess you, your 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 real focus is not always the same as their real focus. Now, I get that you want them to be fit all the time. I mean, that that's a constant. But I can imagine there must be situations where you're thinking, don't do that, or, or that's not ideal now. But I guess you've got to roll with it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You just like the way cricket has evolved over the last five to ten years. That's that's the way it is and that's where sort of our academy role and how that sits in the system we have to get the foundations in place as best as possible so that when they do come onto the staff they're challenging the senior pros from a physical point of view as well as a cricket point of view but also if these opportunities do come along we're not going to have a car crash and that we know what sort of condition they're going to come back in so yeah we're lucky that we have a really good academy that has been successful at producing players over a number of years, but also they're physically capable to deal with these demands. And it's going to be good for the team, them going away and playing in different conditions and playing more cricket in the winter. Yeah, it makes sense. I always chuckle when I hear people say, talk about playing in different conditions in Britain. I mean, you know, you should be sending them off to Scandinavia so they get used to going to Scarborough, say, in May or whatever. You know, <laughs> West Indies ain't any good to anybody. Not when you're going to Scarborough in May. But uh, yeah, no, I totally hear what you're saying. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. Now, one thing we always do on our winter podcast is is ask our guests 10 questions, pretty random questions. Ones that Sam and I have generally thought up. The first answer you think of is nearly always the best answer. It may get you into lots of trouble, but that's that's all the fun of the fair. But yeah, we, we've got 10 questions, James. So we're going to roll with them, okay? Goes without saying, you don't have to answer any of them. You're not contractually obliged, but I suspect you will be able to give us an answer to all of them. So shall I kick off, Sal? What do you think? Yeah, go for it then, yeah. Okay, a, a, a stalwart question. We ask this of everybody. Well, I've got to, I guess I've got to expand it a bit now. Really? Usually I would say, are you more a TMS listener or a Sky Sports watcher. But I guess I can also bring TNT into this, can't I, given we've been watching England and India via, via TNT. But instinctively, is it the TMS brand that talks to you, or is it more the Sky Sports? I'd be more Sky Sports. So we're going to have to change this one. Sky Sports is doing pretty well, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's a generation I mean, I, I, maybe. We need to probably get some 70-year-olds or 60-year-olds on who might say TMS more. Well, I was going to say context. I, I, I find it quite hard to actually watch the cricket in the office without a pick, but I can listen to it. You know, I think yeah. that I can get away with that. So maybe it's the context of where you're doing, you're watching stroke listening. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Number two, Sal. Right, James, you're similar to me in this situation, but rumour has it you like eating eggs. I mean, I'm a big scrambled egg and fried egg brand personally, but what is your go-to? Scrambled eggs or poached eggs? Scrambled or fried eggs, even. Yeah, I love fried eggs, mate. Fried eggs on toast and a bit of brown sauce can't be that, mate. I'm scrambled. scrambled. What what's the most healthy option? Probably is scrambled, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say scrambled or poached. I think they'd be pretty similar. Cool. Yeah, rumour had it that you were eating sort of, you know, eight to ten eggs a day. Is this is this a rumour that you can substantiate? Not quite that many. I'm probably four to five each morning. Each morning? Oh, this is very rocky barboa. <laughs> just it's quite just a quick, simple breakfast, sort of on autopilot at that time and yeah. Yeah, I know. I can get it in and out. And you get, get your protein in for the day sorted. Exactly, yeah. That's good. Exactly. I like that. Good stuff. Number three. Again, nice, simple one. I, I think I know what the answer is going to be. I'm going to ask it nonetheless. Both more Stokes. Stokes. 
that might be a question he's editing as well, so. <laughs> yeah, change of players. The next two questions, James, related to club cricket, okay? So your your team is six off the last ball. Who would you normally go and face that ball? And face that ball. We're talking club cricket here as well. Yeah, club cricket. So yeah, yeah. Somebody's played it really fancy, good at a big bomb to the last ball to win the game for you guys. There's one name, but I can't say it because his head would be too big after that well maybe you won't hear it <laughs> do you know he does actually hit quite a big bomb and he'd usually be in at the end would be Neil Lenny okay he's usually down at 9, 10, 11 and left-handed batter he usually opens the bowling in the first team I've seen yep. him hit I've seen him hit 100 against Twickenham yes and smashed it <laughs> he really did but I think as well um, a lot of that is about having the cojones to do it right you know, it's not just about who can whack it a long way. It's about being able to think, right, okay, where's the feel? Where am I going type stuff? Yeah, and you, you usually wouldn't expect it, Ian. I think him and Jack did put on quite a big partnership maybe last year or the year before. I can't remember who it was against. It might have been against Harris at Mary's in the first team when we were a bit dead and buried. I remember watching that on Frogbox, maybe at a, a Middlesex game, and just tuned in. I was like, oh, no, we've got no hope here. And then they kept going and going and going. Fantastic. Now, you could plausibly give the same answer to this question, but I suspect politically you're never going to go down that route. Right, and so if you need a wicket off the last ball to win a timed game of cricket, who are you going to? Again, we're talking club cricket. Time. I'm actually going to say Johnny Bruce because he would have he would be bowling at the right end with the umpire that he knew he would give the decision. <laughs> and... By his own admissions, he's never bowled a ball that didn't hit the stump, so he's always going to have a chance. I can imagine Johnny with that as well. Yeah, and, and LBWs. I mean, he was he, he was so wronged, wasn't he, as a bowler with LBWs? He'd have had three or four hundred more wickets. Good old Johnny, a, a legend of his time, sadly missed. But what, what a great call that is! That's fantastic. Sal, over to you. Your preferred format, James? And this is, this is I mean, you could be playing or watching, I suppose. Time cricket or limited overs cricket. Timed cricket for me. So, yeah, I think it's probably one of my rare Middlesex League skills, and probably why I got into a few of the teams is that I have the ability to work out a winning total. Of course, so what the winning raw score is going to be, especially when someone doesn't complete an over and it goes down to balls rather than overs. That was yeah. So I'm still a fan of timed cricket, but I understand why we have the the win lose stuff, and it's been a quite good addition. I mean, Sal and I hear a lot about this, and we can't always talk about it on the pod, but the amount of times people think they've got a winning draw <laughs> and they haven't because they've got the maths wrong. I mean, seriously, I, I mean, I'm, it doesn't happen dozens of times. Sit, well, we hear about it a number of times, but it, may, it probably happens more well, than you, we hear you, about yeah, it. I'm surprised what the target is. I'm not much what tell you that. Know, work it yeah. out, mate. Yeah, it ain't that difficult, really, but, but cool. Yep, yeah, I, I, I hear you on that one. Right, now, this is a niche question, and I hope my sources have given me appropriately correct information here otherwise it's not going to work but just imagine you were on a stag do James maybe your own I don't know but imagine you're on a stag do is it better to leave at 3pm in the afternoon or 3pm in the morning 3pm in the afternoon definitely <laughs> that, that was a long break <laughs> can you tell us more about why leaving at 3pm is perfectly acceptable on a stag do even your uh, own yeah I Myself and alcohol have never really been something that I do on a regular basis. And 
maybe got a bit too giddy too early, but I managed to stick around for the sport bit and I'm not I'm not an, an evening person. So an early bedtime is always a good thing for me. Well, I'm reliably informed that the rest of the Hornsey troops did make sure that the stag lived on in your absence, which is which is nicer than I thought. Yeah, it's always good. At least someone else had fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thoughtful guys. I've always said that. Yeah, cool. Sam? Dan, what was your one like, your stag dude? You, was you the early or the late one? Yeah, my stag dude. Oh, my God. I went to see Brentford v Shrewsbury. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so the football was turgid. That was back when Brentford were crap. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think me and the Twickenham boys ended up having a kebab in Twickenham High Street. It was great. I loved it. Sounds good, mate. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Seriously. Yeah. I'm not one for... I'm, I'm a bit like you, James. I don't really drink much. I'm not one for going off to Vegas. I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Yeah, I've been in my street. That did me good. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so it's now fish full of run out, but to mancad or not to mancad, James? Not to mancad. I've been on the end of a couple. Have you? So, yeah, old Actonians. I remember one at old Actonians. I was quite young then, and we had a bit of an instance maybe at Barnes last year. I think they were trying to a little bit, but luckily. I think their captain stepped in. I was like, no, we're not doing that. We've got a few at Twickenham who do it every day of the week. And yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not a mancadder as well, but we definitely have got a few who think this is like the best way of getting people out now. It drives me up the wall, to be honest. But I mean, each to their own, I suppose. And that's your position now, Sal, as an umpire, isn't it? It's officially a run out, as you say. It's not a mancadder. Uh, yeah. That doesn't exist. Yeah. And the terminology now, run out. Makes sense. Right. Question number nine. We're getting to the real serious issues here. You obviously get to see a lot of cricket at first-class grounds, right? And I'm sure you've either indulged or seen lots of people eating teas at first-class grounds. Mm-hmm. Who does the best tea? Leave Lords out of this. Uh, who does the best tea? Worcester. Worcester do a very, very good tea. And Middlesex League-wise, I'm actually very biased. I think Hornsey do a very, very good luncheon tea. But that's Sarah does a very excellent spread on for both of those. And with the lads back in the Premier League, I might have to try and get down to Nets just to sneak a lunch in, try and get a game in the first team. Well, you've always ruined the 10th question there, almost, but not quite so. Yeah. Before we move into last question, I, mean, I think cricket players must find it really hard. It's the only sport we actually have a meal break, I suppose, in between what's taking place. And especially being a professional player. I mean, are you watching your players at tea time or lunchtime seeding overindulging? It must be so hard, especially from what we hear about the Lord's teas and lunches being unbelievably good. I mean, they must show some great restraint and control at times, these guys. I couldn't do it. Yeah, they do. To be fair to them, they're pretty good on the whole, but every now and then there does have to be a little tap on the shoulder when maybe the second dessert turns up at Lord's and it's uh, they've had the creme brulee and then they're onto the ice cream. Oh, yeah, That's why me and you weren't first-class cricketers, Sal. It's the only reason. Yeah, and I, I do agree. The Halsey do do a nice tea ad one in last year. Okay, so again, this is in Middlesex in, so in terms of club cricket, which is your favourite ground or best ground you play that? And you can't say Hornsey, obviously. I enjoy playing at Enfield. Yeah, nice track. Oh, nice yeah. Track. Like batting at Enfield for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, like batting at a good group of lads, and we usually have a pretty good game, usually quite a tight game against those. So, yeah, like I said before, what, that's one of those where you probably do have to bat on past 50 overs if you do get the chance because you're never too sure you've got enough. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah. And best tea away from Hornsey? Best tea away from Hornsey. Teddington was very good. So Teddington. Long way to drive for a good tea, but it was a good tea. <laughs> hey, we have that every week, that long way to drive thing. No sympathy from us, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
definitely here. And of course, you're spoiled on the cot, given you've got 150 teams within about half a mile, you know. Yeah, yeah the, and it's not the first team might have to do too many long away trips at a certain stage of the season, with three of them being in the Premier League yeah. next year, which is a, a bonus. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll just go back to the Worcester. You got me thinking that with Worcester. So, what, what was it about the Worcester tea that, that looked so good? Can I, can I, in all seriousness, what was it that caught your eye? Is it, is it the coarsest thing? Or, or is it more that it's just like whoever the chef is, they know their onions? The chef did a good job. I think it was just more options. Tea is quite a hard one to do, I think, especially like in county cricket because it's like it's not long enough to actually sit down for a meal, but there was enough of like a, options for the lads where if, it, if they were batting, they could have a slightly bigger meal, but if they were bowling, they could kind of just get in and out and back down. So, yeah, they just they knew what they were doing. They're experienced. They've been, been, around, the, been around the circuit and... Done a good job. No, what's what? No, what? You also made me think of something else there, James, very quickly. When you, you talked about, you know, tapping the players on the shoulder, say, come on, you know, you're, you're a sportsman of the highest calibre. You shouldn't be having an extra one there. I was, it was in America not so long ago. I'm talking to someone about cricket and, and they came at me with something I never really thought of before. They were just saying, well, I just struggle with it because, like, you'll wear jumpers. And they said, name me another sport where people go out wearing jumpers. And I'm like, yeah I, yeah, I sort of see your angle, actually, but. Trying to explain cricket to Americans is one of the hardest things in the world to do. I still, even like family members, they're like, so who's winning? And I'm like, it's still quite early oh. to tell. Like, Only three days in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I left it with the jumpers. I thought this is just an argument I'm going to lose. So I, I, I'm still thinking about it now, three months later. I'm not quite sure what to say to that. I've clearly not played yeah. at Scarborough in May. But if you wear jumpers in golf, I don't know why I'm imagining that. Think to def- right. I don't know. No, I'm not really got. Let's move on. It's, it's not going to end well for cricket, is it? No, if we no. talk about it. Yeah, on that point about tea, I had a real dilemma this, this last few weeks actually because uh, so we have an umpire circular group, umpire circle group at North London, and Bob Pedersen, who, who generates all the availability, sent out an email last week saying that these are the games that we need covering this year, and one of the games was Stanmore away for our second eleven. Now I put down for the panel that day, so I was tempted to actually change my mind and do that game, but. I'm not sure what to do. A bit of a dilemma. Well, you know, I really want to sample that Stanmore, but, you know, it's a hard the first one. first time a lunch ever last an hour and a half, isn't it? Oh, we again all day, mate. Yeah. So, actually, I did turn it down in the end, so I'm hoping I do get a chance to go to Stanmore at some point and have a bit of tea there. James, have you been to Stanmore? Yeah. Had the tea at Stanmore, Stephanie? I have, and that may, may have been, should have been my answer. Steph might be, uh, if she listens to this, I might be getting a, a collar in. Oh. All good. James, good answers. Thanks very much for those. One or two other bits, Sal, that I wanted to, to fling in. First of all, I hear a rumour that North London have got a new vice president. Is that right? Uh, we have, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of, one of the, we've got quite a few, actually. But yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough to be nominated and I took on the role. Well, I'm actually now vice president of North London, which is really sort of um, means a lot to me, actually, because the club I've been a member for over 30 years and it's like a family to me really now. So I was quite honoured, actually, to be given that sort of opportunity to take on that role. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm really happy about that. Congratulations. And is this name on the board stuff? Will I see you on the No, no, we do have quite a few, actually. It's just, I mean, like, like any club, I suppose, anyone who's sort of been there for a while and done a few bits here and there and sort of promoting the club and keeping the name of the club in a good light and, and all of, you know, on the podcast, obviously, we mentioned quite a bit. So it's not actually on the, in the clubhouse visible, but I think it's in the handbook. Well, those who know, know, and it's, it's thoroughly deserved, mate. Well done. Oh, thank you. No, I'm quite honoured to have that role given to me or that opportunity given to me. Cool. And moving around the cots. 
Crouch End have been busy, Sal, haven't they, over the winter? Yeah, so they're currently, I think they're back tomorrow, might be back tonight, I'm not sure. So it's the 150th year this year, anniversary year, and they've had a tour to India, which I think started, I think, 10 days ago. And they've had over 25 playing members go from the adults and junior section, and they've been playing various games during the week, um, juniors and adult sides. Obviously, it's good prep as often to see them for these boys, so... They've had a fantastic time, seen a few pictures, had a couple of chats with one of the parents who, from, my, from my school whose son take gone out there and he's gone as well, Mike. It's his half term, right? So that fits yeah. with the juniors. Perfect, mate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've, they've timed it really well. And I think Pratik's been quite instrumental in organising everything. I think they've, they've been based at like a cricket camp. So they've been basically living in Bremen Creek for the last 10 days. It's almost living a dream almost, isn't it? You know, and in perfect condition weather-wise as well. So... They've had a great time. And talking about good weather, one of our umpires, Vinod Srinivasan, he'll be going to Rolanda very soon with the MCC who are, who are taking tour out there, which must, must be the first time they get to Rolanda. So, you know, we know it's not just all about cricket when these guys go out there. We do lots of community work, coaching, etc. So congrats to Vinod. She'll be the umpire for, for, the, for, the, for the MCC side when they go out there. I think it's next week, the 21st, I think you told me. And often a number of MCC tours through the winter, aren't there, to, to, to slightly left field from a cricketing perspective. Place. I remember Clint McKay from Twickenham yesterday went to South America. Yeah. He goes to Mexico, I think it was, which I thought was an interesting place to go on a cricket tour. Well, they went to Belize as well recently. So I think they're Belize, all, yeah. really, really branching out. I think there was one recent, maybe, I think Kenya maybe it was all recently. But yeah, I mean, credit to him. They're, you know, they're going to places to try and spread the name of cricket. Not your normal conventional kind of tours to, you know, your Australia, et cetera. They're, they're going to places that, really benefit from the experience of having these guys over there. Fantastic. Sal, thanks as ever for all your input, James. Great to catch up. Best of luck both with Middlesex and also if you get out on the field with Horns, as I'm sure you will at some point. And, you know, do, do keep us up to date on on progress. We'll, we'll know that chat again soon. Well, dude, thank you for having me on. Cheers, James. Yeah. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much. Podcast Network.